Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the eighth episode of the Kratom Guy Show. I'm your host, Mike Overstreet, the Boston Kratom Guy, and welcome back to another great edition of the show. I've got a awesome show in store for you today. We got Libertarian presidential nominee Adam Kokesh is going to be on the show. I've long been a civil disobedience activist, and uh, there was a certain opportunity that I had, uh, Independence Day 2013, uh, where we said we were going to have a, an armed march in the Capitol if we got to 10,000 uh, people on, on our Facebook event page, because I thought... We'll have one in ten. If we have a thousand, that's a critical mass of people that we could pull it off with. Um, but we need to get to ten thousand on the page for that to be to go forward. And we didn't get there. And so um, I wanted to make it clear that I wasn't chickening out. And so I went and and still took advantage of the opportunity. And I just did a video by myself loading a shotgun in the ironically named Freedom Plaza, two blocks from the White House. And so. They sent more men after me than Osama bin Laden and, and raided my house a few days later. Two helicopters overhead, armored vehicle, flashbang grenade. They threw at my dog. You know, I was in bed upstairs. I come to the, the top of the stairs and I look down at the, the entry. And I, I just in time to see a battering ram knock the door in. Was there a knock? There. Well, yeah, it wasn't technically a no-knock raid. It was knock, 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 knock. Police open up. One two, three, like I heard them knocking. It woke me up. I jumped out of bed. I put my shorts on. I got to the top of the stairs, battering ram, flashbang grenade. By the time we got halfway up the stairs, I had three green laser sights pointed on my chest. And our guest on next week's show is Dr. Uma. Dr. Uma is my medical marijuana doctor. Dr. Uma Danabala is going to be on the show. My mission now is to make sure that people at least know that the truth about cannabis and understand that this is a very political issue. It's, it is about racism. It's about all the things that we really don't want to talk about or even think about, but it is real. And as a physician, we're bombarded and bombarded with being told, well, where's the evidence? Where's the evidence? And when I ask people, what part of zero deaths is not evidence? Like nobody, nobody in the whole world has ever died from overconsumption of this plant. Isn't everybody curious? Isn't everybody want to know why or why isn't this plant being used or why did it go into this prohibition and what is the stigma behind this plant that's why i do what i do because i am a very curious person and as a physician i think i have not only the patients that i've dealt with but my experience and first-handed to be able to tell patients right now um this is my experience and for our patients now to be actually the educators uh, for our healthcare providers, that's what's really important. So we got a great show. So, uh, looking forward to to next show with Dr. Uma. Um, great interview that we had. So uh, we got 
first off, I want to say a big thank you to everyone uh, who's been purchasing Kratom, listening to the show, sharing the show, liking, sharing. You guys are awesome. Thank you so much. And without you guys, none of this would be possible. So we have um, Mass Herbal Market. Our website is now up and open for business. And as a big thank you, we got 20% off for your first purchase. Uh, use the coupon code at checkout KratomGuy20. That's KratomGuy20, all one word, to get 20% off your first purchase. There we have the best quality Kratom that we can find. Satisfaction guaranteed, uh, direct from Indonesia. We also launched our first round, our first collection of shirt designs that will help get the conversation started. And they're really cool eye-catching designs uh, like Keep Kratom Legal, Kratom Saves Lives, and Kratom Changes Lives. Just be prepared if you wear any of these shirts. Uh, be prepared to talk about Kratom because people definitely ask you about them. I wore one to a concert and I thought about turning it inside out because so many people were talking to me and that was my Kratom Changes Lives shirt. So that was really cool. Uh, it's a great way to support the show. Uh, so pick up a t-shirt today, masterablemarket.com. As far as in the news, we have France bans Kratom. We had proposed bills to schedule Kratom as Schedule 1 in both Maryland and Mississippi. So if you're in those states, keep a keep an eye out and see what you can do to get involved. Uh, I'll give you an update on the latest on the Indonesian Kratom ban, the five years proposed ban. And I also have some uh, business update, and I can tell you what's, what's happening with myself and Mass Herbal. Uh, so stay tuned. Okay, so real quick, uh, before we get into the news and then our special guest, Adam Kokesh, um, the the website's up. So Mass Herbal Market, massherbalmarket.com. And uh, we're so excited to have that show, have that website up, and been really looking forward to having it up. I worked super hard to get this website up, and I know that I haven't done a show in a little while, but we are off to such a great start. This uh, It's 2020, so Happy New Year, and I've done some amazing interviews, and I have some amazing interviews in store, so we're getting all those together. We're really, the goal is to release a show every week, or maybe every other week. But it's uh, it's been kind of hard, you know. It's it's just me doing this, so any support you guys have um, is greatly appreciated. And even if you don't want to buy a shirt, you don't want to buy kratom, uh, give me a call, give me a text six one seven nine one seven five two four two six one seven nine one seven five two four two, and uh, I'd love to talk kratom with you. And if you're if you're new to kratom, you have any questions, just give me a call. Give me a text. Hit me up on on Twitter or Facebook, uh, Boston Kratom Guy, or on Twitter at Kratom Guys Show. And we are going to uh, we're working on putting up a Patreon page. And thinking about it, what I would really like to see with this Patreon page, and maybe it requires further uh, crowdsourcing funding, is I would love to see basically investigative. Uh, news station or investigative media that is just focused on Kratom because we have the AKA that's doing such a great job but they are not doing at least I don't think they're doing FOIA requests uh, they're not finding out how some of these 
proposed legislations are getting initiated and what's bringing it on so i'd really love to get somebody if it's me then that's cool um on the ground doing the FOIA request meeting with uh legislators asking them the hard questions and actually reporting the facts the news so we uh as far as mass herbal market right now uh we do have a couple people sending us samples of different products and we are going to have some new products on there products that we're using ourselves. I really hope this one deal is working out. Uh, somebody contacted me that has uh, Kratom salves and soaps, and he said they're really good. So I'm getting samples of those, and hopefully if that all works out, we'll carry them on the show. Uh, but that's pretty much it for the business update. We, It's, uh, it's pretty interesting because now LinkedIn is really big. So building up my LinkedIn page to see what that's all about. And uh, you can really get in contact with anyone on there. Um, Mass Herbal Market is up, but we're still working on it. So lots of little tweaks to do. And just trying to build up our social media presence and really figuring out. You know, I, I, I thought Boston Kratom Guy was going to be a Twitter handle, uh, but it's turned into a whole show. So tr- really figuring out what it's going to be and how to kind of differentiate between myself and the creative guy show so we're we're working or i'm working uh hard behind the scenes so any support is greatly appreciated that's pretty much it for the business update uh let's get into what we have for current events real quick and then we'll hop over to uh the interview with adam kokesh And this would be a good time for a small disclaimer that neither myself nor any of my guests are medical professionals. Nothing we say should be considered medical advice, and you should always seek the advice of a physician or medical professional before taking anything. Any copyrighted material is used under fair use for education or criticism. Enjoy the show! Time for creative news and current events. Uh, this kind of seemed to come out of nowhere. Uh, the 2020 ban of Kratom in France. Uh, this from Kratom Science EU. Uh, Kratom and its derivatives are now in the list of psychotropic substances after alleged poisoning and death cases were identified between 2007 and 2018. Now, I'm not really up too much on um, what's happening in France besides uh, try tried to stay a little bit up to date on the yellow vest uh, protest, um, but haven't heard much about that. Um, so the, uh, the article continues, this is how the French Agency of Medicines announced on January 7th a ban that many see as disproportionate and lacking scientific proof. Um, in times where the rest of the world is making slow but steady progress towards drug legalization and decriminalization of alternative substances with medical potential, France turns a blind eye and falls into scientific data with little credibility. Article R5132-88 of the French Public Health Code bans possession, manufacturing, exports, imports, 
offer and the use of any substances included in the psychotropic substance list in which Kratom is now included. Now this article um, continues to say, um, in previous reports, the same agency had highlighted a number of 20 cases of allergic to uh, toxicity related to Kratom in France, as it happens in reports by U.S. agencies. In most cases, the subjects were on other drugs like codeine or heroin. And it kind of just goes into a little bit more. There's not too much more of it. Um, but that's pretty much it from France. It was just kind of overnight. Uh, it's banned. I didn't, I didn't hear anything about a public comment period. But what I am hearing um, on the line is people saying that I am in France, I use Kratom every day, what the hell am I supposed to do? So, uh, if you're in France and you listen to this, well, thank you for listening to my podcast in the U.S. But um, I really hope you guys can uh, do something about this. Uh, something a little bit closer to home is Bill's proposed to schedule Kratom, uh, Schedule 1, in Maryland and Mississippi. This from KratomScience.com. Bill to ban Kratom to be considered by Maryland Judiciary Committee. Uh, Democratic State Senator Ronald Young has introduced SB 147, a bill that would ban Kratom in Maryland effective October 1st, 2020. In a call to action surrounding a January 22nd Judiciary Committee hearing on the bill, the American Creative Association posted an easy contact form to help put Maryland residents in touch with their key lawmakers, um, a.k.a. put it out. Uh, Maryland Creative Warriors, we need your help immediately to reach out to several key Maryland lawmakers who sit on the Maryland Judiciary Committee. These lawmakers will be considering SB 147, which will criminalize consuming or possessing Kratom. They will be meeting on January 22nd. We need to flood the committee members with emails and ask them to reject the ban on Kratom. Fill out the form uh, to send it automatically to these key lawmakers. So the, the article goes on that uh, the bill makes no bones about its intentions and even uses the term prohibition, an act concerning criminal law, creating prohibition for the purpose of listing certain substances on Schedule 1 to designate them as controlled, uh, three dangerous substances that may not be legally used, possessed, or distributed, and four generally relating to controlled dangerous substances. And the article just goes on to say that um, not really sure about what Senator's young motivation was for this push. Because, um, again, this I mean, they've been doing this in Mississippi, but in Maryland, I haven't heard anything about this. And I talked to Chris Redding, who um going to have a show with him coming up soon, creative activist from Maryland, uh, who actually helped Nick Wing uncover some of the dubious uh deaths that were attributed to Kratom. He's in Maryland. He's he, We both have alerts up for Kratom, and he's heard nothing of this. So it seems like there's only one sponsor, and if we get enough people to write in, call in, uh, we're, and the AKA, the AKA is already on scene, and they're going to be pushing for the Kratom Consumer Protection Act. 
so I'll leave, of course, I'll, I'll leave that and all the other links in the in the show notes. So that is uh, what's happening out of Maryland. So if uh, you've been following my work for a little bit, you know that I have a big gripe with Louds County Drug Task Force in Mississippi. They've been at it for a while, spreading their bullshit and propaganda about Kratom. Uh, a bunch of nonsense, uh, a bunch of hearsay and conjecture that makes no sense, no proof to back up their ridiculous claims of some lady owing almost $5,000 to the, the local convenience store because they were fronting her kratom and she was stealing or bringing in TVs and rings and stuff to try to work off her debt like it was some type of pawn shop. I mean, it's just ridiculous to think what type of convenience store is going to give anybody $5,000 credit, especially for an herbal product. It makes no sense at all. But Mississippi is moving forward with their attempted ban. Uh, and it's just so crazy because at the same time, today I read an article that was posted from the Peaceful Street Projects on Facebook. This article from Meridian Star that says, uh, 50 years in prison for drug possession is wasteful. Mississippi has 78 people, each serving 50-plus years in prison on nonviolent drug charges with no eligibility of parole. 21 of them are serving that sentence for simple drug possession. This is a waste of taxpayer dollars and people's lives and does nothing to actually address our drug problems. That's absolutely right. It makes absolutely no sense to be locking people in jail. Peaceful people who haven't hurt anybody, they're just using the wrong plants. It's so ridiculous when you look at it on its most basic level. But I thought that was really interesting, just coming at the time of uh, this whole thing with Mississippi. Um, so I believe this is also passed on uh, from Kratom Science, really great resource for uh, everything Kratom. Um, so this is an article from djournal.com, which seems to be a uh, Monroe journal, so a Mississippi uh, Monroe County website. And they kind of just snuck it into their article. They, on the top, they did reference that it's Senator Chuck Younger from Caledonia. I think I'm not saying that right. Um, but it's this one paragraph that it's, um, he's got three bills intended for, for this season. One is occupational license requirements to make it easier for military spouses to obtain a state medical license. Another pertains to adoptees obtaining birth certificates under certain circumstances, which would give them knowledge of any hereditary issues. And the third one will request the Mississippi State Medical Association to schedule Kratom as a Schedule One drug. And that's it. That's all it says. It's just like a little sentence. Oh, yeah, we're going to start throwing people in cages for uh, drinking the wrong tea. It's fucking ridiculous. So, you know, this is all uh, spurred upon by uh, that Louds County supervisor, the Louds County Drug Task Force. And I do have this other article that was from March 27, 2019, also from djournal.com. And... 
this article is just filled with so much bullshit. And I think I posted this prior. Um, the picture starts off, uh, Mississippi Bureau of Narcotics agent Lieutenant Eddie Hawkins explains to the Board of Supervisors Friday dangers associated with Kratom, an addictive product sold at some convenience stores. Supervisors later voted to ban the product. Aberdeen, an addictive product available over-the-counter at some Monroe County convenient and tobacco stores, which can pack the same effect of 13 times of that of morphine, will soon no longer be available. The Board of Supervisors approved language March 22nd to add to a similar ordinance banning Kratom in the county. Now, it's real easy for them to say, oh, it's a ban. We're just banning Kratom. But... With these new bills, Maryland and uh, Mississippi, it's not a simply ban. Oh, the stores aren't going to sell it. Like they want to use physical violence. They are saying we are okay with using physical violence against peaceful people because they're they're using a plant that we don't like. Not that only adults should have it, or it shouldn't be adulterated to have other weird stuff in it that could hurt people. They're just going with that the kratom itself and there's no proof actually all the proof is just the opposite that it's safe and effective you can't overdose on it and if you were to do too much uh, okay you can't fatally overdose on it if you're not mixing it with other substances if you were to overdose or do too much of it the worst i've seen or ever heard of is getting nauseous and vomiting that's it and to say that it's 13 times stronger than morphine it's not clear what it's saying. It's the pain-killing properties. It's been shown that the pain-killing properties are 13 times stronger than morphine, not the psychoactive effects, because those are very weak. The article goes on, uh, Representatives from the Crime and, Ad and Addiction Task Force of the Louds County Foundation requested the supervisors to pass the ban. The group previously convicted convinced six other counties and seven other cities in North Mississippi to issue Kratom bans and it plans to make the same request to the Aberdeen and Amory boards of Alderman. We have documentation where people have $800 a week habit. Yeah, I haven't seen it. Maybe I'm going to call them up and ask where this documentation is. I realize that when I start reading this shit, I just get so fucking mad that I'm like, oh, I need to call, call the state reps. And I don't even know if I could talk to them because to me, the science is so clear that it seems like a straight agenda that they're doing to try to push these bans. Um, goes on about Eddie Hawkins and his Mississippi Bureau of Narcotics. Uh, people are now changing their drug of choice from opioid addiction and starting to use Kratom. Yes, they're getting their lives back. Just like myself, when I got off Suboxone, I felt so much better. Kratom is contributing to a better lifestyle. I am more healthy and more active. Eat better, exercise way more. I'm in way, too, way more uh, activities than I used to be. You can ask my wife or anybody who knows me. I am a completely different person off of those fucking drugs. They're trading one addiction for another. No, they're not. The vast majority of people are using this to get off of opiates and getting their lives back. We've had a lot of people say this is the best drug ever because it helps helps with our pain. But who goes to a gas station to manage their pain? 
That's where they're selling it. If you were selling it at herbal stores, if the FDA didn't crack down on it and say that it was unapproved food or drug, then health stores would be selling it. It just so happened they got lumped in with spice and all this other shit. Let me continue this article. I'll, I'll be here ranting forever. Um, so there's lots of other bullshit in this article. Um, lots of other propaganda and talking points. But one of the main things I wanted to go over was this part. We have documentation from a store in Tulipo that has been selling this stuff on the books. People can't afford their habits, so they're offering them credit. There's one lady who owes a convenience store $4,800 for purchase of Kratom. She's taken rings and TVs and everything else like a pawn shop to try to support her addiction to these products. Where is the proof? Oh, okay. Hold on. Let me continue. Task force members have worked with Senator Chuck Younger and Rep. Jeff Smith to try in trying to pass statewide legislation to ban Kratom, but it died in the committee. During last year's session. So Younger is back at it again this year to try to push this along. So I hope it dies again. I hope if you're in Mississippi, you uh, you speak up. I'm going to be calling both Mississippi and uh, Maryland state reps. Maybe I'll record those calls. But where is the documentation? Why don't you post it? Maybe I'll do a Freedom of Information Act to find out where this information is. So that for me to be able to do these FOIA requests... I need support. So please look for uh, our Patreon uh, Kratom Guy Show. I'm working on it now. I'll have it up soon. So maybe by the time you listen to this, I'll have it up. Um, but I'm really thinking about doing some type of crowdfunding to try to be able to get some money for these FOIA requests. I just want to see the proof of it. All the proof is from the AKA, and they've done the eight-factor safety analysis. Um, Dr. McCurdy, what he's found about how the... Um, the the raw plant itself seems to be very safe and th there's just been so much proof that they've completely destroyed any case of um people dying just from just from kratom uh that new england journal of medicine report came out that said they had to do a special uh post-mortem blood test and they found out that there's um all of the other people, all of the other deaths that were attributed just to Kratom in Colorado actually had other drugs in their system besides one, which they didn't have the residual test for. So the article does go on a little bit more, but uh, I'm not going to finish it because I've gone over it before, so I'll just leave that in the show notes. Um, the, uh, the last update... Now, I couldn't find it. There was a video that the AKA posted. I think it was to a private group, though, a private AKA um, uh, vendors group. It was like Guardians of Freedom or something group. Um, but the uh, the last update about Kratom being banned over the summer, um, it came out that the Minister of Health in Indonesia issued a regulation that is going to ban Kratom. Uh, the export, the growing of it, ban across the board. And this is where the majority of our Kratom comes from. Apparently, since then, the AKA has been over there and they've met with a health minister and different divisions of um, Indonesian health, um, Minister of Foreign Affairs, Minister of Trade, 
uh, Minister of Health, and I think a few others. And basically presented presented this, the science, presented the facts about Kratom. Um, and it seems like it's getting reversed, but I don't know. I, I, I can't find a straight update. As far as I know, I don't think it's going to happen, but who knows. But just out of Thailand, they are moving to they are moving to legalize kratom. They're they're going to be using a, uh, kratom and cannabis for medical purposes. So we could see a whole new um, whole new market coming out of kratom, uh, coming out of Thailand for kratom, um, which would be great. So yeah, I couldn't find that recent update. If you guys have it, and uh, you you see where that video is from the AKA from Macadow, it'd be great if you could pass that on. I had it in another episode, but my episodes were just getting way too long, so I think I scrapped it. I don't ever, I didn't ever post it. Um, I might have it somewhere. But uh, that's pretty much it for creative news and current events. Uh, stay tuned for Adam Kokesh. On the show, very special guest, Adam Kokesh. Adam Kokesh is a Marine Corps combat vet who first became a national figure as a member of Iraq Veterans Against the War. He has since dedicated his life to the cause of freedom. As civil disobedience activist, author, and presidential candidate, he is the self-published author of book Freedom, a libertarian primer with a quarter million copies in print, a former congressional candidate endorsed by Ron Paul, former radio host, TV host, and now online with over 75 million views on his YouTube channel and countless millions on other channels. You probably know him from Adam vs. The Man. He is currently running for the Libertarian Party nomination president in 2020 on the platform of peacefully responsible responsible and orderly dissolution of the federal government. Adam Kokesh, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. Although, you know, every time I'm, I'm introduced as a presidential candidate, a part of me dies inside because you really have to be some kind of psychopath to, to want to be president of the United States. So just to be clear that I'm not that guy... Uh, I always have to point out that uh, it is true that I am I'm technically running for president, but because, as you said, my platform is to dissolve the federal government, I resign on day one. We take it through a process, a bankruptcy, where we end up with 50 independent states and up to 562 sovereign native nations. I'm not running for president so much as I am running to turn the federal election into a referendum on whether or not the federal government should be allowed to exist at all. So is this America's Brexit? Is that what's happening? Yeah, I mean, you could say it like that. I think it's kind of a continuation of the first American Revolution. And, and Thomas Jefferson is famous for being misquoted as saying we need a revolution with every generation. Uh, he certainly said more inflammatory and, and, and uh, challenging things than that. But I, I would say we're behind, and this is the opportunity for America to lead the world in freedom again as, as the first American revolution. I'm, I'm not, you know, uh, I'm not a flag waver. I'm not a bootlicker. I'm not a nationalist. Uh, but I believe that the American heritage is something that belongs to all of humanity. In, sen in a sense, I'm an American imperialist, not through government, but through ideas. 
that the ideals of freedom should uh, the, the, the ideals that speak to, to the universality of the human experience to that which burns in every human soul you know the the, the 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 fact that you're a free person with an independent will that wants to be respected as such that wants to be free uh, if, if Americanism is about standing up to unjust authority in pursuit of freedom, then I, I would like to see that spread all over the world. And the thing that is behind this platform, uh, aside from the ideals of freedom, is the principle and the policy of localization, of taking governments apart from the top down, uh, having an orderly, uh, electorally based, uh, you know, peaceful process where you get government down to the local level, eventually to the community level, where as an individual you have the option to opt out or form a new community if you want. And I call this the everybody gets what they want strategy. And it's really sad. This is localization is the cure for polarization because today, if you're a liberal or a conservative, when you meet the other on the field of battle, you have to see them as an enemy because you're, you're, you have to fight over whose answer gets imposed on the other one. And, and this fight is managed by people who are taking advantage of both of you. And if you can just say, no, I, I love you as a fellow human being, at least American, I respect your right to freedom. And if you want to live in a conservative community, you should have that right. And if you want to live in a liberal community, you have that right. And this represents a, a pretty significant shift uh, for how libertarians have been going about politics, saying, let's play their game, let's take this beautiful ethical philosophy and, and turn it into a set of political issues when instead of saying it's pro this or it's you can have as much government as you want as long as it's voluntary, as long as it's ethical, as long as it adheres to the basic concepts, don't hit, don't steal, don't kill, don't violate other people's rights, even if you have a gun or a badge or a, a law behind you, it doesn't make it right. So that came up. Uh, at the Libertarian presidential debate where, where I first saw you, um, um, where you just were in Somerville, and that essentially the Libertarian candidates, it was like Gary Johnson, is they're, they're not going far enough, you know. Um, and and your, your platform, some people might say it's, it's going too far. Well, you know, I, I got to hand it to, to Max Abramson. There's one thing he said that, that was brilliant. He said, sometimes libertarianism is described as socially liberal, fiscally conservative. And he's like, no, we are socially libertarian and we are fiscally libertarian. Yeah, I like that. And it's, it's because there's that that deeper uh, principle behind that. So with, with what came up uh, at the debate, uh, in, in some ways... Um, you could say that this is an extreme platform when you look at just what would the presidency be or do or look like to say we're, we're not going to have a president, we're not going to have a central government. But there are two ways in which it's actually extremely moderate and kind of escape, you know, uh, sidesteps all of the, the traps of, of polarization and politicization of what really should be how human beings come together to organize society and organizations and communities to meet our needs that, that, that yeah maybe we should adhere to the same basic standard of ethics right but with localization i don't have to argue with you as a liberal or a conservative about what's your view of government or or society or what your community should look like and again it's separating the aesthetics what we want it to look like from the ethics you know that what are the moral constraints that, that, that we respect in, in dealing with other human beings. So in the, the, they're, they're, 
two ways in which it's an extremely moderate platform is that I don't have to challenge people's concepts of what government can or should be because everyone gets what they want. You want that in your state, you want that in your state, cool. Now you're more likely to get an experience with government if you want it that's more in line with your needs, your values, and, and the, the desires of your community. And the other thing is that uh, there, there's something that is somewhat, somewhat anti-libertarian or even un-American and, and inherently extremist even in saying, I'm going to be the central planner now. I'm going to be the better tyrant. I'm going to be the nicer, kinder, gentler ruler presiding over the country. And there are a lot of different positions that are, are tempted, tempting in that where people say, we're going to eliminate this, we're going to do that, we're going to get rid of that. And, and what we're saying with dissolving the federal government provides the opportunity for localization. Depending on how you count it, three to four million people working for the federal government, certainly more with contracts and everything else. And a lot of those, it's like I said in the debate, I didn't really worry about the loss of horse and buggy manufacturer jobs when the automobile was invented, and I'm certainly not going to cry over IRS agents losing their jobs and having to find actual gainful, legitimate employment instead of stealing from the American people on behalf of government. So with saying we're going to get rid of you know 3 million employees, there are 22 million. It sounds like a lot. We're going to put three million people out of work. Like, yeah, that, and, and I'm, I don't mean to demean that. That, yeah, that's that's kind of a big deal. But there are 22 million Americans who work for government when you include the state, local, and federal levels. So a lot of those three million jobs we'd be cutting would be localized to the states, or the states would have the opportunities to rehire some of those people. And some of those functions, in that sense, would actually be just directly absorbed by state governments if they want. And if we're talking about that, we're, we're talking about cutting, like, even if it was three out of 22 million, less than, you know, one in seven government jobs. Yeah. Like, it's, that, that's pretty moderate. Consider, like, you go, how, how big is government? Like, by even just reasonable, centrist, moderate, like, middle of the political spectrum, dead middle on everything... And if you went to, to, to the people in that seg segment of the political demographics and said, could, do, you th do you think America could handle cutting one in seven government employees? Oh, yeah, easily. Yeah, That'd course. be a good start. Thank you very much. Please, yes, where do I vote for that? So before we get too far, I want to make sure that uh, everyone knows where to find you. So you want to uh, just quick say what, what you're up to, if you have any appearances coming up, uh, website, anything like that? Sure. Thanks for the opportunity. Yeah, well, the main thing I, I, I always plug then is my book, which I started writing when I was in jail uh, for civil disobedience in 2013. And uh, like you said, you know, we got a quarter million copies in print, and it's free in every digital format possible, over three million downloads there. Uh and you can get audiobook free, PDF free, Kindle, whatever you can imagine. If it's not there, let me know. We'll, we'll, you can, if it's not there, you probably have a way of making it yourself by converting a file of, of every way you could take in this book. Um, I guess we don't have a Braille version. Shoot. We need a Braille version. We need a Braille version. All right. Uh, but I think that's what the audiobook is for, right? Okay, so we got that covered. Um, and there, there are a bunch of translations, too, if you want it in a different language or to share it with someone who's not an English speaker. Uh, there are about half a dozen translations there, including Spanish and, and a Spanish audiobook. And that's thefreedomline.com. And the book is it's just 100 pages. The audiobook's just three hours. So it's really 
the ultimate primer in voluntarism, which is the, the philosophy behind libertarianism, and talks about localization, the future, freedom, and the, the interactions with technology and, and the, the liberating effects there. And then it, you can find from that, if you just remember the one website, thefreedomline.com, you can find me on all the social medias and YouTube, where I have a quarter million subscribers and something, 70-something million views. So I have a, I have a great library there. I'm, I'm very uh, happy with the, the impact that it's had on a lot of people. A lot of people say, like, yeah, man, I just got into your YouTube channel and went down the rabbit hole and, you know, spent a weekend watching your videos and came out and was like, oh, that was that was my red pill. I'm out of the Matrix now. Well, and, it's, it, it, it's nice to see because I've been following you on YouTube for, for a while now, and I think I had a lot of the same, well, you know, everyone's experience is different, but a lot of the same progression of kind of being angry not not yeah. know, not knowing what to do, yeah. going on like the the direct head-on-head -head fight, and now what I'm doing with kratom is that's my way of contributing. That that's my way of of helping people out and kind of letting them be free of of something that they they don't want and giving something that that's contributes to their health and well-being. Yeah, there, there's a natural progress there, and for me it was a big thing in starting my activism with Iraq veterans against the war where it's like people are still dying and it's because we were lied to and I saw people die because I was lied to and my story can help do something about it and so I started with a lot of angry momentum and it it, it really took me 10 years to go from calling myself a libertarian to understanding it and and I think it's a really important shift in, in, our, in our movement and, and even to a, a non-libertarian audience, I want to say that, like, for too long, we've thought of the Libertarian Party or the libertarianism as, like, an exclusive club. Like, you're not libertarian enough if you don't this or that or understand this or believe that. And it's like, it's, it's, it should be more like a 12-step program of recovering from statism, of deprogramming yourself from the propaganda and, and overcoming this really deeply imbued paradigm that we have of of organized violence through government and saying we, we'd be better off without this and you know if if, if someone showed up at, a, at an aa meeting and said i want step one you wouldn't say ah get out of here you're freaking alcoholic you'd say okay cool here's step two and and i think that attitude is, is something that i've seen actually as a shift in the libertarian movement in being more encouraging and inclusive and and, and i've gone through that myself but you start out angry and then you know you you're i, I even became a lifetime member of the Libertarian Party in 2004 when I just got back from Iraq and it was the first time I could afford it. And even back then, I can say that I was an angry, militant, arrogant minarchist, you know, and, and, and I was open-minded enough to keep in, being engaged in the conversation and challenging myself and, and allowing others to challenge me and debate me. But it, it's taken me a long time to really get to that point. Uh, Ethics of Liberty by Murray Rothbard, the book, bottom of the rabbit hole for me. Okay. But uh, <clears throat> I wouldn't say I'm a, I'm a perfect Rothbardian. There are people who do. But the, the, the core concept is really just ethics applied to politics. You know, don't hit, don't steal, don't kill. Not an exception if you're a cop or an IRS agent or a soldier. Yeah, so let, let's talk about that for a moment because, well... All right, we'll we'll get into it. Um, but first question I like to ask everybody is, uh, what got you, what got you into kratom? 
Well, I, I wish I had a good story, but just just being around the freedom movement, you know, I, I guess it was. You would even know the history better than me of the the recent popular surge in kratom. But like three or four years ago, it just started becoming a thing in the libertarian movement, and I had friends. Um, uh, John Bush and Kat Bleich running Brave New Books in Austin, Texas that became Brave New Botanicals where they were selling oh, okay. Kratom there. And um, I'm I'm very like cautious and as, as, as many different drugs as I have done, uh, I'm always very prude and cautious and, and, and you know, low, start with a very low dose and, you know, get a good night's sleep and have the perfect diet and make sure you're healthy and there's no other strains in your, and then do the new drug for the first time and you know journal the effects and 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 know your you know and so like um that you know i haven't had the opportunity to like really get into kratom fully but over the last few years i've used it just sporadically for for like energy you know when i'm doing construction work if i'm doing a few days in a row and i feel bogged down after that or and i'm talking about like i do, I do hard labor or at least i have been um like pounding tires for earthship style buildings and you know, cutting down trees with a chainsaw, stuff like that. And uh, so there's a certain, like, pain that, that, that kind of... And I wish I had I wish I had Kratom when I was playing rugby in college for, like, the day after a match. Yeah. You know? Yeah, well, probably for the match, too. But there's... So I, I've, I've experienced it uh, not as much as I'd like, but... And I, I, don't, I don't think I have any, like, pressing health needs that it's like, oh, Kratom's the answer to that, you know? Um, but I do, I do want to get more familiar with it so that I, I feel like I know what, like I have, I have, I have three big bottles at home and I, I, I don't have enough of an understanding of what exactly each one. So I'm, I'm sort of slowly growing into just incorporating it into my life. But, you know, I see the, the legal challenges and it's like, it's, it's, I'm, I'm really curious like I'm really excited to be living at this moment in American history for lots of much bigger reasons than this. But one of the stories I'm like really tracking, you know, is is kratom to think that it's uh, an herbal supplement that most Americans had not heard of at all yeah. five years ago, and now most are vaguely aware of it, and there's. A, growing base of, of, of actual users and we're seeing now like we did with cannabis legalization for medical purposes and CBD like seizure kids you know getting their seizures to go away with CBD that there are yeah. similar like revolutionary health benefits with Kratom and and of course there's an effort to make it illegal and I, I, I hope the story is kind of boring you know what I mean like I hope that they never really get to ban it in any kind of meaningful way. And I know that they're already making it hard for people and yeah. you know, that you can't sell under certain circumstances on online and the Amazon won't carry, but it's not, it's not like cannabis prohibition. And I don't think it'll ever get to that point. I don't think the government can get away with a, a Kratom prohibition the way there was a, a cannabis prohibition for decades and alcohol prohibition. Well, they're trying to be sneaky around it now, trying to – they FDA went to Indonesia, met with the health minister, and uh, convinced them. I, 
I believe I have no idea. This is my own thought that it was the old cartel silver, silver or lead type deal where they either threaten them, yeah. threaten yeah. them, or promise them, or both. Um, and apparently, within five years, they're going to be shutting down all exports of kratom out of Indonesia, and that's where majority comes from. So, the, I I don't think. I mean, again, I temporary setback. I don't think the like what the what big pharma was able to get away with in, I mean, calling cannabis marijuana in the first place. Like even I only recently was able to stop using marijuana as like my default term for it. Yeah, I try to do the same. Use and cannabis. I, yeah, it's only recently like, and it's just I've heard it from enough other people. Now it's like naturally my my mind says cannabis first. You know, it's cannabis. And there, there was a certain amount of of propaganda around reefer madness, even and that you could put out lies. In the there's in, a lot of lies nowadays. With but the, you can, you can't you can, you know in the age of the internet, you really can't get away with lying to people the same way. And with cannabis being made legal now, like that they would take a step backwards and be able to make Kratom illegal. It just seems unlikely. Now, again, banning imports, like, and if they really successfully stop all imports from Indonesia, that would be a huge setback. I don't think it would last that long. Yeah, I, I think mean, there are enough voters. Co- there are enough people who are engaged. Too. Cocaine is banned too. And it still comes in. Right. Yeah. And, and I, I like, I, I have a hard time thinking that the, the, that the government would be able to get away with busting, individuals for kratom use that they could control imports and taxes and say this is illegal you know at that level but already there's 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 been enough a shift of a shift in the paradigm and i remember i was living in california when medical first became a significant enough thing there and the turning point was when a cop would smell cannabis and not flip out and pursue it with guns drawn right and and there was they, when they would smell and go well yeah it's probably medical patient someone with a card I guess and just let them do their thing and that shift I think there's no way that kratom could ever be portrayed as as more dangerous than cannabis because it's not the same way like a recreational drug there's nobody like there's not a single case I mean they're gonna they're gonna say well yeah you can OD on it and hurt yourself. Well, ban bleach then, for Christ's sakes! Like, really? Yeah, like th- more, that argument just doesn't hold there, water there's, there's, anymore. There's more, more calls about Tide, tide Pods. To, yeah. To, to poison control. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but there's there's more deaths caused by Tylenol every year. Yeah. Every year yeah. than the CDC and FDA is alleging kratom has caused ever of all time anywhere in the anywhere in the yeah, world yeah exactly and just just the fact that those statistics you can look that up and it's irrefutable there, but there, there's so many people that are just uh headlined readers you know they, they see it's bad they saw it on the news and then they form their opinion there are like certain states counties uh cities that are banning it but they, they are few and far between um so let's uh, let's talk about freedom. The book Freedom. I, I played that on my on my phone during my walk to work nice. uh, for for a while. <laughs> I, was, I was listening to that and uh, Simon Sinek. 
for for a little bit. Yep, another uh, great great source of information. Um, so yeah, let's talk about freedom. How how you landed in jail to to write this thing and yeah. So, I've long been a civil disobedience activist, and uh, there was a certain opportunity that I had uh, Independence Day 2013. Uh, where we said we were going to have a, an armed march in the Capitol if we got to 10,000 uh, people on on our Facebook event page. Because I thought, we'll have one in 10. If we have 1,000, that's a critical mass of people that we could pull it off with. Um, but we need to get to 10,000 on the page for that to, be, to go forward. And we didn't get there. And so um, I wanted to make it clear that I wasn't chickening out. And so I went and... and still took advantage of the opportunity and I just did a video by myself loading a shotgun in the ironically named Freedom Plaza two blocks from the White House and so they sent more men after me than Osama bin Laden and and raided my house a few days later two helicopters overhead armored vehicle flashbang grenade they threw at my dog yeah I'm surprised that blue is still alive it's well no that's this is a really you know critical part of the story and it's a little bit of the the physicality of the raid but you know what happens when cops are confronted by dogs. It's not the cops that get hurt. It's the dogs that yeah, get they, shot. They, they shoot them on sight. So, and, and Baloo is a security dog. He's, he's a 100-pound Pit Dane mix, you know. He, he's, and and he, he knows how to be a security dog. You know, he's a gentle giant in every other way. But uh, when, when you yell and bang at the door, he goes to the door. And he was going to the door, and the timing was just perfect that... You know, I was in bed upstairs. I come to the the top of the stairs and I look down at the the entry, and I I just in time to see a battering ram knock the door in. Was there a knock? There. Well, yeah, it wasn't technically a no knock raid. It was knock knock knock, knock. Police open up. One, two, three. Like I heard them knocking. It woke me up. I jumped out of bed. I put my shorts on. I got to the top of the stairs battering ram flashbang grenade and it went off right underneath blue's butt as he was coming towards the door it kind of like went between his legs and went off and i i mean i was above it i wasn't right i was like you know maybe 12 14 feet away being being on the second floor and uh you know a few feet back from it and but i saw it i was there they, they, those things are effective you know and, and it scared the hell out of blue and he instead of keeping going towards the door he just did a you know, 180-degree turn and ran right up the stairs towards me. And by the time we got halfway up the stairs, I had three green laser sights pointed on my chest. And I'm going, like, nodding my head, like, blue, bed, bed, you know, while I got my hands up saying, you know, go to your crate. And, and you know, he went and he hid in his crate. And, and that's what, the only reason he didn't get that's shot. That's scary, man. So I ended up doing uh, four months, and I wish I could say – as an act of civil disobedience that we had a better thought out legal strategy. Uh, but I, I kind of just did it knowing, you know, I, I knew what the risks were and, and I went and ahead and did it, but I ended up getting uh, bullied into a corner and, and because they denied me bail. Um, the, the, because I had a dozen guns and a safe in my basement, I didn't even have ammunition for most of them. Uh, they said I was the next Adam Lanza as in the, the Newtown, Connecticut Sorry, are, shooter. Are you, you're not allowed to have guns. Well, I'm not now. No, well, this was in Virginia, so it was totally legal to have them there. There were no other violations or crimes that that they got me on with that. And they, um, 
So they, they, but they, 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 the, the prosecutor convinced the judge to deny me bail, or maybe that was part of the setup. You know, they knew they were going to do that anyway, right? Yeah. And when that happens in the United States, basically you are now in jail for as long as the prosecutor wants you to be because everything is illegal and they can always bring new charges and discover something else that you did. And so I got threatened with a few more charges. And after doing four months, I ended up taking a plea bargain and I, I'm not, I'm not happy with that outcome, but, um, and I'm, I'm glad that what I did, uh, was at least a partial positive push for, for gun rights in general, but also specifically in DC and especially following the DC versus Heller case. Now in DC, they're, uh, they're forced, the federal government has been sort of forced by the courts to, uh, to issue concealed carry permits. And I, I don't know exactly where they are with that now. I don't want to speak outside of my wheelhouse here, but uh, there, there was uh, it, it was a time of significant progress in, in gun rights in D.C. And maybe that's a minor thing. I don't think that's like the biggest fight in government. I'm much more concerned with raising awareness and changing how people think. And so while I was in jail, people sent me all the best libertarian philosophy books and and uh political ideas and uh, you know ethics treaties and a lot of them i'd already read and so you know I, I shared them with other inmates but while i was there i realized that we needed sort of the ultimate conversion tool in book form that would have all of the strengths and none of the weaknesses of these books so i, I decided to be the best ripoff artists in the freedom movement and take all of their best qualities and, and none of their weaknesses and put them into one uh, ultimate red pill. And it's, it's a hundred pages. It's, uh, you know, easy to understand. It's, it's global in its applicability. It's not Amerocentric. It has no judgment or opinions or wishful thinking. It's, it's a very straightforward uh, you know, deconstruction of the state and philosophical analysis and understanding of freedom. And, it's just it's been incredible to have the the feedback that I've gotten on it so far. Most people who read it go, well, shit. How do we get everybody to read this? So that's why we did the big easy book bomb, and that was the the latest big project around the book. We delivered two hundred four thousand copies, one to every single residential mailbox in New Orleans by direct mail. And uh, pretty soon we're going to be going back to do a focus group follow up and, and see how effective it was. But I got to go back and hand out stickers and hang out for Mardi Gras. This, this was January this year, and uh, the the reception was was incredibly positive. And that was ahead of the Libertarian National. No, we tried to do it the year before, which would have been ahead of the LNC, yeah. uh, the the convention in, in New Orleans. But we didn't have it together in, in time. But we still wanted to do New Orleans for a lot of reasons, and went ahead with that. So this, uh, the, the book and this libertarian philosophy, um, we should get into it a little bit because I, I see oftentimes it's Kratom consumers are all walks of life, young, yeah. young and old. Um, but I do notice a lot on Twitter, it's a lot of left-leaning. Hmm. Um, you do get right, you do get libertarians. Um, but so, like, you know, if you could explain the libertarian, why, why would somebody on the left or somebody on the right be interested in if they're, I don't know, even with not even maybe the Libertarian Party, but just the philosophy uh, sure. behind it. Well, starting from the issue of Kratom, it's really about self-ownership and sovereignty over your body. And, and this is basically an observation of reality more than an opinion or a, or a desire or, uh, you know, some kind of aesthetic wish for how we want society to be organized, but that 
you as an independent consciousness in your own physical body, you own yourself. We've pretty well decided that we don't accept human ownership anymore, that that's slavery, that trying to claim ownership of another human being is wrong. Right. And it doesn't matter if I do it to you as an individual or if me and a bunch of guys get together and say, well, we're the government and now we're going to own you. And the fact is that you own yourself and that this is the foundation of ethics. And, and the idea that all human relations should be voluntary is the heart of voluntarism, the, the philosophy behind libertarianism, the idea that we shouldn't use force or fraud or aggression or any kind of coercion against another human being. And this is really the foundation of the concept of markets. And one of the, the, the problems with how we look at capitalism today, capitalism is defined as uh, a, an economic system based on ownership of the means of production. And, and when you really understand it proper, properly, the rules and concepts of it make a lot more sense when you, when you understand that the ultimate means of production is not a factory or a company or a building, but it's the individual human mind. And that the ultimate measure of productivity is not widgets or dollars or anything that can be counted on a bottom line, but human happiness and satisfaction, the creation of value. And so relationships that are free of fraud force, coercion, are always entered into by choice, which means that the person choosing to engage in that relationship is doing so because they believe that it benefits them. And if they ever decide that it doesn't, they can disengage. They have that freedom. They have that choice. They have that opportunity to opt out and decide who they want to engage in relationships with. And so this idea that government can control what it puts in your body is a direct violation of that, a really obvious one where it says, look, we don't like Kratom, therefore you can't put Kratom in your body. Well, I own my body. You don't own my body. Where the hell did you get that idea? Right. That's statism. <clears throat> you know, this this idea of, of basic ethics is something that humanity has really embraced and come a long way on. And, and you know, we're living in the least violent times in human history. It's a, Violence follows a decay curve over time in, in, in human society. So that we have come this far is, is really an exciting, positive thing that we have embraced ethics. And yet we make this exception for government. Like, well, if you get enough people together and they want to steal from you, well, then it's not theft if they call themselves a government. And it's like, no, taxation is theft. There's no way around it. The only way that you can you know, rhetorically retort this concept that taxation is theft is to say the government owns you. Government owns the product of your labor. So for someone on the left, there are a lot of ways that government tricks people into accepting that we can violate ethics in order to achieve their aesthetics. So a lot of people will say, well, yeah, I know that the government shouldn't shouldn't be able to say, oh, you can't use plants or you can't use certain substances, but they're, they, they have to be there or else we'd have no, we'd have no rules. Well, so this is the distinction of no rules versus no rulers. You know, and when you have a uh, society where people are free to engage or disengage and, and produce organizations that hold bad actors accountable as necessary when they're a violent threat and holds everybody accountable to the standards of what's providing the most value, we realize that that's a greater determinant of human behavior. You know, I don't, I'm not not murdering you right now because someone wrote it down on a piece of paper that murder is wrong 
or made it illegal. You know, we all have an inherent sense of right and wrong, and we all have the ability to disengage from people who are doing things we don't like and to engage with people more who we like what they're doing that's creating value. This is like being a customer or being in a relationship with someone or being part of a club with someone. And government interferes with our ability to do this. And this is one of the ways that I think people on the left especially are fooled with you know simplistic economic concepts. Like, we need to restrain corporations. It's like, no, they vote for regulations. They pay for regulations. They want that because it creates the corporatist oligopoly that makes it impossible for people to compete with them. So instead, we should say, no, let's give people the choice to create their new you know, businesses, to, to, to send their business to other entities, individuals, groups, corporations, whatever, where they're getting what they want, not what's forced on them by the limited choices through corporatism. And one of the things that's really important about this for, for people on, on the left to understand is that you can still create or get whatever you want without the violence of government. And, and, and I would say my apologies on behalf of perhaps some libertarians who have gone before me saying, no, because of libertarianism, government must this, that, or the other. Because really what this message of, of, of ethics, of peace and love and harmony says is not government must or must not this, but that if you're going to have government, it has to be voluntary. You can have as much government as you want as long as it's not violent or coercive and it's not forced on anyone. So... To, to be absolutely clear in what I mean here, I'm going to use a couple extreme examples. And as, as a Jewish guy, like, I see the fringe rise of white nationalism as viscerally disturbing. But I still, as a libertarian, can say, if you want an ethno state, if you want to come together with a bunch of people of like mind on private property and you want that, and you don't force it on anybody else, you don't hold anybody captive... I want you to have the right to organize your community by your values that way. Similarly, if you're a gun-grabbing socialist who wants to run around naked in the woods in a commune, I want you to have that right too. I'm not going to live there. I might watch from a distance and enjoy the entertainment value, but I'm, I'm not going to live there. But I, I would w similarly want you to have the right to form that as long as you're adhering to the same ethical standards. And that's how I came to the conclusion uh, tactically of localization localization you see now the cure for polarization everyone gets what they want how do we get to that point where you really have the ability to form a community based on your needs and your values and once you get government down first get rid of the, the federal government then state governments then you get to the county level and i think at that point we might see so many non-governmental organizations and institutions displacing it for so many functions. I mean, first of all, simple technology thing, self-driving cars. About half of all interactions with law enforcement in the United States happen at traffic stops. If everybody has self-driving cars, or at least the main thing on the road is a self-driving car, you can't pull someone over who's not driving their own car. Sorry, government, like that chunk of your racket just goes away. There are a lot of things like that. I'm very, uh, you know, I'm very much a techno optimist. I'm very hopeful about, and, and, and I see that, that that is empowering people. And eventually we all get to think outside the box and not be bound by, well, that's how it's always been. So that's how it's always got to be. No, we can redraw all the lines on the map if we feel like it. You know, the millennial generation is starting to come into power and it, it's not, the millennials, I don't, you know, it's not so much the you know, generational distinction, but those of us who grew up with the internet, just 
we don't have tolerance for the kind of bullshit problems that exist for lack of information anymore. And we're not going to put up with your lies trying to pollute the process uh, of us trying to figure out how we should relate to other people. Yeah, I agree. Um, so let's talk about uh, your, your running for, for president. Uh, or the nomin- Technically, yeah, right. The, 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 the nominee for the Libertarian Party for not president. Uh, but let, let's talk about the plan. What, what's what's the plan if you get the nominee? Sure. Yeah. Well, I'm 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 surprised I don't get asked about that more because I could geek out on that part for hours and and explain like what we're gonna do with every agency and every like because because what I've created is an approach and a set of principles that has allowed me to answer pretty much every question that people have thrown at me like well what about this or what about that and the concept is that this is the ring of power you don't put on the ring you throw it directly in the fire when you can and so what we're doing on day one is declaring the federal government bankrupt and so from that moment federal laws are not enforced at all so we sign one executive order, and, and it might be that we do a, a series of pardons first for you know every uh, you know victimless criminal who's in federal prison. Um, there's anyway, I'll, we, I don't want to get sidetracked. I go down each little agency uh, that I mentioned and, and the whole plan for that. Um, but the basic concept is that we we then take every federal agency and it either gets localized to the states, very simply cut up into 50 different pieces, or or for you know whatever native nations up to 562 decide to declare themselves sovereign in this process, that they would get their apportionment of of that agency, or it would like the IRS just gets abolished, the federal regulatory agencies that where there's already a state version, they all go away, like you know FDA, FDA, DA. D, yeah, all of those things. Um, for some, there, there, there needs to be a transition for like the FAA that does air traffic control and controls airports federally, um, you know, for, for, for giving the, the, the states the opportunity to incorporate those into the state governments rather than those functions being performed by the federal government. Um, some things get spun off. For example, um, my fiduciary responsibility then is the bankruptcy agent because i resign on day one the presidency doesn't exist i become custodian of the federal government which is the the title that i think best describes for several reasons obviously the the role of uh, the the bankruptcy agent and, and my fiduciary responsibility is to pay back the true creditors of the american government and the federal debt as it is today in the trillion tens of trillions of dollars now 20 something tri- i mean it's obscene yeah, it, 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 it's it's literally an unfathomable amount of money like yes the human brain can you know make some charts and comparative graphics and go okay i understand how much money, but it's it's more it's, it's an obscene amount of money and, and and when you break that down it's like the 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 most simplest ponzi scheme ever. yeah well it's it's worse than that it's intergenerational child abuse because what you are doing by taking on government debt is forcing people who never had a say in it to pay for that that's what is you are born in this country if you were born in america today with a price tag on your butt that says your share of the national debt is in the hundreds of thousands of dollars yeah, i don't think a lot of people understand that that's where or the, you know the main population that are not libertarians that know about federal reserve that 
don't don't really understand that when they take their taxes out, it, it's being paid towards the interest on the money that the Federal Reserve created out of thin air and then loaned yeah. to the corporation of the U.S. government. Yeah, most people just have no idea how that works, and it really is a critical linchpin of government control, but really just and, and really super class control, the the banking class and 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 corporate cartel control. Um, so that debt is not a legitimate debt. So is it so, just going to be erased? or? What? Yep, we are disowning and declaring bankruptcy, disowning that debt. And as we liquidate the assets of the federal government, that goes into Social Security that is spun off as a public trust. And Social Security is the mechanism by which we pay back the American people with whatever is left at the end of that process. Uh, we're also going to spin off the VA. So the VA will get an endowment and, and be handed over to the veterans. So every veteran gets one ownership voting share in the VA. You oh, wow. do it on a blockchain. It's a very easy thing to accomplish these days. You end the drug war, give the VA to veterans, I guarantee you're not going to have 22 veterans committing suicide a day. You know. So, wait, we'll continue with your platform, but you say mm-hmm. end the drug war. So what would what would be, I understand, like, DEA is leading a lot of it. So I guess... Well, like it, I said, it, immediately all federal laws are unenforceable. They're just dead letters. They're, they're irrelevant. And all federal agencies... Uh, are now custodial institutions. So, like, all active operations cease. They, they, they are no longer, like, all cases are closed. Uh, there, there may be some, and uh, this, this might be up to state governments, where there is a uh, public safety interest in, in, in cases that they're pursuing. Like, if the FBI has a case against, uh, you know, a child molester, we're not going to say, no, you can't keep going after that child molester. And so for the, the larger agencies like the CIA, the FBI, the NSA of course, DOD, there are major administrative processes by which we have to be responsible in, in handing those cases over and saying, well, this, you know, pursuing an actual criminal, someone who has actual victims, then we're going to allow that to continue or we're going to transition that to the state governments. The thing is, as much as there is a legitimate purpose in some things that the FBI does as a law enforcement agency, the vast majority of it is enforcement in, in pursuit of uh, victimless crimes around the drug war and financial regulations. And and then there's a very small amount that's sort of like the justification. Well, yeah, we go after child molesters and pedophiles and murderers and rapists. and But that's it's so insignificant. Is it? In, in terms of the budget uh, and, and, and the amount of resources that the federal government puts into law enforcement, to, to say that if, if we stopped enforcing all victimless crimes and said we're only going to go after actual criminals and and i'm still against the government having a monopoly on this function but if this is the transition you know this is how we how we make that shift to an actual first step voluntary function but if if all we did was say we're not going to go after victimless crimes then if you got rid of all federal law enforcement functions and the states got stopped enforcing those victimless crime laws, the states would certainly be able to pick up the slack in going after real criminals. And so, again, part of the responsible part of this process is saying that if there are active cases against real criminals, that those will, those will still be pursued. But in terms of building operations, in terms of new cases, in terms of going after anybody for victimless crimes... Uh, all of those operations seats, all the surveillance operations seats, like the NSA, really, I mean, I, I haven't heard anybody convince me that there's any function that the NSA is performing that needs to be maintained for national security. If there is, and it needs secret. to... 
Yeah, right. Because it's oh, we tell you, but we could we we could tell you, but we'd have to kill you. No, I mean it's. So, so again, like I said, there's a responsibility in this process and how we handle the records and, and, and everything else. But, the, you know, the, that we would localize government, get it down to 50 independent states and up to 562 sovereign native nations. It, it's better than the collapse of Rome. Yeah, I I want to see it happen. Um, so country, we talked about the drug war, countries like Uruguay, Portugal, they have legalized all drugs, and they're, they're showing that uh, their drug use and overdoses have actually gone down. Um, what, what's your stance on, on legalizing all drugs? Well, I would hope use of some drugs goes up with it. Yeah, but I understand that, yeah, by legalizing drugs, by giving people the uh, you know right to decide what they put in their own body, if they really have that freedom, they're going to be more open to get treatment when they have problems. And, and in those countries that you mentioned, as I understand in Portugal at least, that with with uh, with heroin in particular, there was there were there were issues with that, and, and that because they right. were able to, <coughs> excuse me, a long time ago fully decriminalize, that people who actually had addiction problems were able to get treatment. I would hope though that in some cases drug use goes up. I'm not pro drug or anti drug. You know, this is this is my aesthetic thing here. I don't really care. I want people to have the freedom to do what they want. I want a nonviolent society where everybody's able to create value and, and enjoy their lives freely as, as best as possible. But I, I think uh, with cannabis legalization in the United States, for example, uh, it's the people who don't want you to smoke pot or think you should be locked up for smoking pot, who really need to smoke pot. You know, it's, it's, it's the, the people who have that authoritarian personality disorder and that fear uh, that, that will benefit the most. And there's a point where, you know, they, they see their, their friend at the old folks' home getting, oh, their pain in their glaucoma is relieved and they get, it doesn't really change their personality. They're just, they're a little more pleasant to be around maybe. You know, like, oh, I guess I could try that. Oh, and it's legal now. Um, similarly with psychedelics, especially in, in, in treatment for PTSD, uh, access yeah, to, to MD, MDMA MD, and MD, psilocybin. And I mean, we just saw like in, in, in um, Colorado, uh, Denver County and, and Oakland just decriminalized mushrooms in the United States. Like yeah. these are some big, t- like I used to say a few years ago that we were at the end of the beginning of the end of the war on drugs. And I think we have progressed. I think we're in the middle of the middle of the end of the war on drugs. And and the end of the middle is going to be when, uh, you know, cannabis is decriminalized nationally. We see that that's just a couple election cycles away at most at this point. And then with psilocybin, all, like I'm actually surprised that it's happening this early, that, that we got psilocybin ab- absolutely decriminalized. Like clearly it's not... And I know it's the minorest first step, but it's an absolute clear victory for freedom in Denver County and in, in Oakland. And the sky is not going to fall on on Denver, okay? Like, I'm really confident that decriminalizing mushrooms in Denver is not going to have major adverse public health consequences. But, you know, people who want that... Positive. Yeah, well, exactly. People who want that therapeutic experience are going to be able to get it without the stress of, of worrying about is this legal or not. And I mean, I know there's still some, but fed, you know, federal cops aren't like busting down doors, catching, you know, the guy with, you know, a little, uh, fish tank of mushrooms in his closet, you know, and, and, you know, who's, who's hooking up himself and his buddies like that's not happening. And, and now people feel safe with that 
in in those places. Was it that whole? It's that first step that I think you and I are the same. We'd both like to see full legalization, but it's that decriminalization first, then legalization. Well, I, th- there's a semantic argument here that, that some people make is a very important distinction. I get that there is a very important distinction here. And it's, you know, some people say, they'll say that legalization is, uh, <clears throat> Im- implies that there is a creation of a legal structure around it. Like cannabis is legalized for medical purposes. And it's like, no, it should just be decriminalized. And it's like, you don't need to create any positive extra regulatory or legal structure. And I, I love the, the expression, I want cannabis to be as legal as tomatoes. And then it's like, no, no, do you know how many regulations there are on tomatoes in this country? We don't need that. We want you know decriminalization in that sense. We just want the laws off the books. And, and, and if, if you get to that point um, where you have retail sales, at least online, being conducted in, in a safe and reliable way, uh, like you had for, a, you know, with the Silk Road and, and with other, you know, online websites still through cryptocurrencies today, uh, when, when you have that on, in, in the brick and mortar space, you know that that's all that matters. And that's, that's however what... you get there legally, I don't I don't particularly care. That's what I think so too. That um, it's government, whether it's state or federal, that they're acting as a parent. Um, that the, the the free market would figure it out to say that this this place you can get your your cannabis or whatever it is, and they're testing for these things. And you go to the place that you that you like that you know is doing right, and the places that aren't doing right are gonna lose business and go out of business. Simple as that. I think so. Um, so, but this this whole thing with uh, the the libertarian anarchist philosophy does get really interesting when we start talking about cannabis. Um, so it seems like I know the answer to this. It's going to be uh, localization. Um, yep. <laughs> but I, I, ha- I have heard you support of uh, cannabis bills, either for recreational or medical. And right now, for for kratom, there's a few states like uh, Arizona, Utah, Nevada uh, that have passed kratom consumer protection act. So it says that you must be 18. It's only going to be kratom. It's going to be tested for these certain things, and nothing else will be added. Um, so yeah. So how do we uh, how do we, how do we move forward, but also keep this in the principles of libertarian anarchists? Oh, I, I like that idea that uh, to protect consumers, that there's an opportunity to use the state government to push back against the feds. And and I, I definitely have a huge amount of respect for the activists that see those opportunities and push those because that's how we got to the point at which cannabis is uh as as legal legal as it is today and and it's it's so legal that it's not even fun to smoke anymore so i think i think we've 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 passed that point um but the question that you ask is, is is a little bit more of a sort of economic philosophy question of how will this service of product uh, regulation, as in to make regular occur in uh, a, a voluntary situation as opposed to a coercive situation. And we have lots of examples of this already. And, and the big one that, that we love to put forth as libertarians is underwriter laboratories. And it's really strange that of all the government functions, like they, they never managed to get a monopoly. They never managed to extend their regulatory monopoly to electronic safety, at least not completely as they do in so many other areas, because there's this 
a group called Underwriters Laboratories that certifies, and you know this, if you, if you go buy a, a lamp at a store, you go to Ikea or Walmart and you get any kind of home electronics, there'll be a little UL stamp or yeah, sticker I've on it. it. I never right? knew what it is. And it's just before. because the insurance companies that insure the electronics companies give them lower rates and, and, and we'll say, yes, if you get a UL stamp on this, we, you know, we know that we can insure you against certain, you know, product liability. And then, you know, stores like Walmart will know that like, yes, we can safely sell a product because underwriters laboratories put their stamp on it. And you don't need government in that process to achieve that function at all. And the benefit of this is, is uh, huge. Because when you when you trust government with that regulatory function, and, and you can call it that, some people would disagree with my terminology. Say, well, that's not regulatory. That's just you know accountability or whatever. But uh, or, or you know insurance incentives being manifest in a way that people will still seek certification and safety. Ultimately, it comes down to the consumer, right? If the consumer will buy something that's dangerous and cheap because they're not paying attention, then you know it doesn't matter if there's regulation. Someone will emerge to pay for or to create that for them, whether it's uh, on the black market or not. And that's kind of the danger with what we have in the drug war, where the market is pushed underground and made to be a, a black or now at least a gray market in, in a lot of ways. Well, we're, we're seeing it now with Kratom that the FDA has put up, I think it was in 2014, they put up Import Alert 5414 which classifies Kratom as an unapproved food or drug, and mm. most recently classified as an unapproved dietary supplement. So sellers can't, <sighs> sellers can't sell it as anything. Right. They just, here's the herb, you can buy it if you want, yeah. it's up to you. Um, so, you know, I, I, I compare it to an, an elderly person that you know, has a bad heart or something, shouldn't be drinking coffee. They think they might be taking something for nighttime. There's nothing on the packaging because... Right, and that's, right, and, that's and that's part of the danger of trusting government with the regulatory function is that it actually suppresses this market mechanism of creating a regulatory agency or a certification agency. Because right now, if you were an entrepreneur in this field of product safety certification, and you said, wow, there's a booming industry in Kratom. I want to create the Kratom certification company. And everybody can send me a sample of their product and I stamp it with this, you know, and then I do a survey of their products. You know, I go do an inspection of their supplies and make sure that it's, it's consistent and we're, safe and, we're, we're and packaged well, right? The, um, the non-GMO project. Right. The, little stamp. the problem with this is that I shouldn't say the problem, but the, the, the limiting factor on this is if I'm an entrepreneur and I want to create that business, well, government coming in regulating this means that this might change from day to day and, and my business might be shut down overnight. Yeah, true. So this goes to go into a good segue to my next my next question that lots of people say, uh, you guys, you, you libertarians, you anarchists, all you want is chaos, no rules. People are going to be killing each other in the streets and shooting drugs everywhere. I don't. Know, I don't hear that that often anymore. I. I. I see. Okay. Hold on. Before. Before I even answer that question. Before you even get to the question here, <laughs> I. I got to jump in just a little bit because, the, libertarians are are people who have figured something out that, the mainstream is either not aware of or doesn't care about or is actively suppressing somehow. Right, and, in a sense, we we are. The, the, the smallest political minority in the United States, and as, as people who really understand this philosophy, I think we're actually big enough now. You could say we're probably, you know, maybe, uh, you know, somewhere between one and two percent of the population of people who understand 
maybe not exactly the non-aggression principle and self-ownership as, as I describe it, but understand freedom as, as some philosophical principle. And, and there's a significant number of people who have that specific understanding. But this is a new thing. Like the party was founded in 1972. The intellectual godfather of this movement, Murray Rothbard, you know, died, I, I think it was 1996. I hope I'm not screwing that up. I'm not the history buff here. But, um, you know, he, he was writing, you know, in, in, in the 60s and 70s, and, and his great works were published in the 70s. And back then, when the Libertarian Party was founded, we weren't 2% of the population. We were like 0.2% of the population. And if you woke up to these ideas then, you felt like a real outcast. And every you have to be really sensitive, and it's it's kind of like the ultimate minority experience. And I, I don't mean that it's like harsher than slavery. Don't misunderstand me, but like I you know, I was the only white student in the Native American prep school, so I, I have a bit of an understanding of this. But politically, it's it's it, it, there's a different dynamic of self consciousness, and every negative thing. And the other thing is, it doesn't help that most of us are you know. INTJ personality types spamming for Ron Paul from our parents' basements. But no, that, that, that we are a certain personality type that, you know, is, is prone to feeling like an outcast. But these ideas are really, again, universal to our humanity. They speak to the fire that burns in every human soul. And when, when you present it properly, again, if we play their game, right, if we play their game of politics and say, well, we're against welfare because it's, it's collected by, well, we're not against people getting money who are in need. We're not against people, you know, like, we're just against the violent way that it's being achieved through government now. And when we get sucked into playing their game, it's easily misunderstood. But you hear the way that I talk about it. People don't, I don't get that response anymore. But pe people... Like they're like, well, you know, w w what about this? We need taxes for this, or, or we need to pay for this. And my answer all the time is, that's that's fine. Can we do that without stealing yeah, from people? We, we Can just, we do that nonviolently? We just can't hurt, yeah. take, or hurt from yeah. hurt people. And so most people, like, I think that what you what the way, and I I, I, I see the wording that you used to frame this question, and and I've been. Um, I've been a, 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 an active libertarian since 2004 when I, when I became a lifetime member of the party and, and even before that a little bit. And back then, that was a really relevant question. And it's, I don't think it is anymore. Yeah. So the, the, the question is eventually uh, who's going to build the roads without yeah, the nobody, Yeah, nobody. I and mean, even that, people don't ask who, who's going to build the roads. Because when people ask who's going to build the roads, they're not actually asking that in a literal sense they're what they're really asking is who's going to manage the collectivization well, of property of common pathways and, and things like that and, and i actually have a really easy explanation because i bought 10 acres that didn't connect to any existing roads and i built a road and we could talk about i mean i could go on for hours about easements and setbacks and things like that and, and we could geek out on that but um when you say hey we're going to localize government we're going to cooperate at the local level and and you know that we're going to have more efficient systems. And the other thing is most people know at this point, again, this is the, the huge techno optimism that like is, is really, I think we, we kind of take for granted as the underlying foundation of, of every conversation now is this awareness of, of technology and technological progress that, well, if it wasn't for government, we'd all have self-driving cars by now at least. In Dubai, they already have drone taxis. We'd have self-flying cars. 
by now if it wasn't for government. Like we have the technology. All that's preventing the implementation of it or slowing it down is government regulation. You go, shit. Sometimes being a libertarian sucks because it's like having the the code of the Matrix. You remember in the Matrix, there's that scene where he sits down and goes, no, all I see is blonde, brunette, redhead, right? And it's like, no, no. I look at, like, the air, like, I fly a lot. I look at airports and go, holy crap, the government monopoly on airports is, is so destructive that, oh, the government monopoly on uh, airport security and then the, the corporate oligopoly and airlines it's created and go, oh, my God, now I know why flying sucks so much. And whereas... If you're if you're ignorant, there is a sort of ignorance is bliss dynamic here where you go yeah, like, I well, I guess it just sucks because it sucks, you know. But eventually, again, you get past that at the at the meta level where you're able to say, you know what? Doesn't matter how much I see of the evil in the world and the negative effects of government, life gets better every day. Humanity progresses, and I'm going to claim my intellectual and emotional sovereignty. I'm going to claim that dominion over my mind i'm not going to let people lie to me i'm not going to be bullied into feeling a different way than i want to feel my feelings are my responsibility i'm an animal i'm going to have reactions i'm going to have responses that i can't control but as a conscious animal my response to the response is always my choice so i choose to be happy i choose to be determined i choose to be centered and and go about my life the way that i want to go about my life and i, I this is an important part of the book to end with another plug here the freedomline.com yeah, I, know, I know you got another interview to get to no but emotional freedom this 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 like i really want you know speaking to a general audience you know of of, of kratom enthusiasts I, I want people to to really get that benefit that i got from this message was when, when you go that next level deeper and you realize i own myself I own my brain. I own my thoughts. I own everything that I choose, and I will therefore choose to be happy. I will choose to live well, no matter what else is going on in the world. And giving people that emotional freedom is, I think, the most immediate benefit of understanding this. So to, to elaborate on that, do you have any advice for someone maybe in the, the Kratom community? They, they discovered Kratom. They really like it. They, they want to... They want to help, or, or the libertarian anarchist community, they're, they're new to it, they understand the non-aggression principle, and like, they're like, how do I help? What, what, do, what do you... Well, I, the first thing is, and I, I hate to say it like this, but read my book, because it, it's free, I'm not going to benefit from that, except that I hope you would appreciate me knowledge, but that it's, it really rounds out that worldview, and gives you a sense of where that worldview fits into activism and humanity progressing, and until you have that... I think it's it you shouldn't jump in but one of the things that that book will help you get is an understanding of where you want to contribute and what you want your activism to be and and what's satisfying and sustainable for you and I wouldn't say uh, you know jump in without that understanding but if you want to jump in with whatever you're doing you have an opportunity you know do it don't 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 let me say don't do it until you read my book of course not jump in be active and and I I think for people who do read the book they realize that we have to change how people think. We have to change the paradigm. We have to wake people up to a certain degree in order to achieve certain critical mass tipping points to make the political change happen, to change the physical reality that we experience. But we're still at this phase, you know, like I said, where the people who really get this, we might only be less than 2% of the population and, and growing that and sharing that. And this is a gift. You know, again, we fall into, we want to argue with people or, or we want to share information with people. And it's like, no, 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 you are giving people 
a gift of, of understanding that's of value to you that gets more valuable by sharing it. And that's the attitude that, that I, I try to embody with my activism. And I think that's really my best advice for people who want to get active is, you know, take the time to know your worldview and, and figure out what's satisfying and enjoyable and sustainable for you and your activism and, and, and makes you happy. Yeah, it's great advice. I usually tell people with Kratom, you know, if you've had a positive experience, tell somebody. Yeah. Sh- share some Kratom and, and tell somebody. So um, I think it all goes, all goes with the same. So that website. Share the love. Spread the love. Whatever it is that brings love and joy into your life. Even if it's just Kratom and you think I'm crazy about everything I've just said. Oh, see, there's that self-consciousness, right? That's not. I'm the only sane one. You know, the, the, the expression, right? To, to those who could not hear the music, the dancers all seemed quite insane. But. <laughs> The, the, the music is the human heartbeat. It is the, the, the beat that is within all of us. And if you tune into that and you listen to that and you connect with uh, the highest state of human consciousness, which is love, and you stay focused on that and sharing that, you can't go wrong. That's, that's awesome. It's beautiful. The, uh, the website is thefreedomline.com. Adam, anything else you want to plug or promote before we go? That's it, thefreedomline.com. You can find kokeshforpresident.com. If you really want to help me specifically in this effort to win the Libertarian Party nomination, get involved with the Libertarian Party locally at the county or state uh, or whatever level there is in in your area. And be ready to be a delegate next year because it's the delegates at the National Convention who decide who the nominee is. And if you want to help me take this message to the next level, please get involved. And and I hope uh, I can count on your vote as a delegate at the Libertarian National Convention in Austin in May next year. Adam Kokesh, thank you so much. I could talk a while for you, talk all day. Um, Thank you so much for coming on the show. It's been a blast. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. Peace and love, y'all. So that does it today, folks. Thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, If you'd like to support the show, please be on the lookout for our Patreon, Kratom Guys Show. It's not up right this second, but it will be up soon. Uh, if we get enough supporters, we'll be able to do those FOIA requests and show up on location to bring you the creative news. Uh, we have the shirts at MassHerbalMarket.com. Really cool shirts, and they're super comfy, 100% cotton. Uh, worked a long, hard time on the design with our designer, Amanda Prather, and uh, ordering a whole bunch of different shirts to find the right comfortable shirt that fits right. And always there's, there's Kratom on the site, masterablemarket.com. And as a big thank you, we got 20% off for your first purchase. Uh, use the coupon code at checkout KratomGuy20. That's KratomGuy20, all one word, to get 20% off your first purchase. Most importantly, like, share, subscribe, and pass it on. Pass on the show and pass on uh, your Kratom if uh, you're telling somebody new about Kratom. I love you guys so much. Thank you so much for tuning in. And together, we'll keep Kratom legal, safe, and available for all. Till next time, peace.